Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this evening's broadcast, the special edition of the End Time Tribune, this June the 23rd, 2017. Part two about the sealed scroll. Take note, I had a correspondence today uh, from Tom W. Uh, shout out to him. I uh, thank you for the correspondence. He said some very interesting things, but to make a long story short, he said that he had never before realized that it was actually a sevenfold sealed scroll. Never heard that before. It had never entered his mind that it was not the seal of God the Father on the foreheads, because you can plainly see elsewhere in the scripture where People are sealed, or things are sealed, singularly, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's true. The scroll has been sealed by the sevenfold spirit of the Almighty God. This is just a precipice of the amount of invaluable treasures you are to find... Once you come to grips with the simple fact that the Bible, God's holy word, is twofold. He has given it to us in the Hebrew, and he's given it to us in the Greek. You will take note that this is really coming into the forefront, even as we're doing this broadcast, because... It's been in the news recently that a denomination decided to do their own translation. And it is amazing things that are going on right now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, let's see here, I've got ones I can read to from here all the this this week. Let's see, here's one from the 11th, I guess, so it's last week, maybe. But ladies and gentlemen, from the Atlantic, Southern Baptists embrace gender-inclusive language in the Bible. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to take note about who published this um Bible translation, because it was released not only by the Southern Baptist Convention, but it came off their own presses that they own. This is really starting to ramp up. You need to ignore 
any and all English translations and get to God's Word. That's what you need to get to. Very excited about some of the correspondence I got today. And this time I was surprised that three or four of them had come from Mundus Novus. Very encouraging. It is proper for you at this time to get your trays into the upright position and fasten your seatbelts. We have to come to grips tonight with what the Lord our God says. Everything he is able to cram pack into a singular chapter. It's important. You need to know it. And I will address a final thing before I roll the introduction. Tom W. also in this email, he stated that he understood that I was not saying that the Bride of Christ was going to go through the wrath. However, I do not use the Shakespearean term rapture. He understands and realizes that I am the only one he's ever heard, and he said that he took most of last week to research this. No one else offers an alternative. No one. He said, Mr. Miller, I thank you for this, but could you please explain this further in the near future, if you can please? Ladies and gentlemen, you'd be surprised at what the Lord your God can do. Through Brian, through Clinton, through me, most importantly, if you want it, through even the likes of you. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this special edition of the End Time Tribune, as we take a deeper, clearer look into the sevenfold sealed scroll in the Bible, God's Holy Word. Chapter 32. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison which was in the king of Judah's house. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Wherefore dost thou prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him mouth to mouth, and his eyes shall behold his eyes, and he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there shall he be until I visit him, saith the Lord. Though ye fight with the Chaldeans, ye shall not prosper. And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, 
Behold, Hananiel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, By thee, my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. So Hananiel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, By my field, I pray thee, that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is thine, and the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. And I bought the field of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, that was in Anathoth, and weighed him the money, even seventeen shekels of silver. And I subscribed the evidence and sealed it, and took witnesses, and weighed him the money in the balances. So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open. And I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Maseiah, in the sight of Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. And I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed and this evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel, that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Now when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power, and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Thou shewest loving kindness unto thousands, and recompenses the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts, is his name, great in counsel and mighty in worth, for thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men, to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings, which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day, and in Israel and among other men, and hast made thee a name, as at this day, and hast brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and with wonders, and with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm and with great terror, and hast given them this land which thou didst swear to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in and possessed it, but they obeyed not thy voice, neither walked in thy law, they have done nothing of all that thou commandest them to do. Therefore thou hast caused all this evil to come upon them. Behold the mounts, they are come unto the city to take it. And the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans that fight against it, because of the sword, and of the famine, and of the pestilence. And what thou hast spoken is come to pass, and behold, thou seest it. And thou hast said unto me, O Lord God, Buy thee the field for money, and take witnesses, for the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans, and into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And the Chaldeans that fight against this city shall come and set fire on this city, 
and burn it with the houses upon whose roofs they have offered incense unto Baal, and poured out drink offerings unto other gods to provoke me to anger. For the children of Israel and the children of Judah have only done evil before me from their youth. For the children of Israel have only provoked me to anger with the work of their hands, saith the Lord. For this city hath been to me as a provocation of mine anger, and of my fury from the day that they built it even unto this day, that I should remove it from before my face. Because of all the evil of the children of Israel and of the children of Judah, which they have done to provoke me to anger, they, their kings, their princes, their priests, and their prophets, and the men of Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And they have turned unto me the back and not the face, though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not hearkened to receive instruction. But they set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to defile it. And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not. Neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. And now therefore thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the city, whereof ye say, It shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence, Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whither I have driven them in mine anger, and in my fury, and in great wrath. And I will bring them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart in one way, that they may fear me forever, for the good of them, and of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts, that they shall not depart from me. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. For thus saith the Lord, Like as I have brought all this great evil upon this people, so will I bring upon them all the good that I have promised them. And fields shall be bought in this land, whereof ye say, It is desolate without man or beast. It is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Men shall buy fields for money, and subscribe evidences, and seal them, and take witnesses in the land of Benjamin, and in the places about Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah, and in the cities of the mountains, and in the cities of the valley, and in the cities of the south. For I will cause their captivity to return, saith the Lord. Good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. That is the second chapter in the Old Testament that contains the places, of course, the sealed scroll. Brian? How are you doing since uh, yesterday night? I hope everything's been faring well. I'm sure that you found even more in the news that ties directly to the issue at hand tonight. You know, ladies and gentlemen, this is a pretty lengthy chapter. It's 44 verses. And it contains too much information for Brian and I to even remotely come to grips with tonight. However, we do have some very important things uh, to discuss. So, 
Brian, jump in here in the saddle. What's your opening comments about this issue and this chapter? And by all means, this seven-fold sealed scroll. Well, I would have to say this gets more interesting by the moment. The deeper you look, the deeper you look, and the deeper you look at all the coinciding uh, places we should know to look, especially considering... I guess some of the things we found here that have happened in the news uh, really stand out even more so since May 1st. Um, You know, this is where I kind of sat back and I looked over a whole bunch of chapters trying to wrap my mind around what's going on here. And when you do that, when you recognize some of the things that are happening here in Jeremiah, it really begins to stand out. And you brought up things in the news. Well, I've been spending a lot more time doing some important history lessons uh, the last few days. And I think, to be honest, with the combination of uh, some history lessons on the founding of Israel going from 1948 and forward mixed in with the Iranian uh, regime change there with the Ayatollahs and the Islamic Revolutionary Guard, and moving forward, I've noticed some stark parallels that are rather frightening but when we wrap history back around going to 1897 1917 all of these things uh these things start to connect in a rather i don't know if i want to say interesting way i'd almost have to say disturbing way to be thoroughly honest well was you able to look at any of those pictures that I sent you about the UAR? Um, and ladies and gentlemen, the only reason why I was able to get that information was it was contained in one of the old Encyclopedia Britannica yearbooks all about the United Arab Republic because the assassination that occurred, which was one of the linchpins and that's when Syria and Egypt broke because – I bet you most of you don't even know that Egypt and Syria used to be the United Arab Republic, and that's a fact. That's the truth. But I think we ought to start like this, Brian. You know, let's let's just have a bit of a private conversation way out in the open. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian kept asking me over the past, I don't know, two or three weeks, what have you been looking at? And I kept telling him, the sealed scroll, the sealed scroll, the sealed scroll, and he kept hounding me about it. And I said, well, I just, I don't have the gumption to do it. And, you know, so he tries to argue with me, try to convince me that we need to do this if God's bugging me about it. So I just said, you know what? That's what we'll do, man. I will send you one place name. Now, I even cheat for you because they've, of course, changed the name. So I'll just, I'll just send you one place name. If you can find anything about that that's, that's recent, not two years ago, not 50 million years ago, you know, not back in 1973, not back in 1967. I want something recent, you know. At, I, I think I told Brian at least since January. So, Brian, why don't you tell everybody your side of that conversation, and 
if you found anything at all about that place name or if it that one place name sort of broke the dam that turned into a tsunami that was about 30 feet over your head. You know, why don't you just just describe to everybody your side of that conversation because that was my side of the conversation. Well, a couple of things were brought up. If we can find evidence of these things being major within the news, late and breaking details, then we'll consider going forward. So you wanted me to look at, well, it's in Jeremiah, it is Anatoth. Modern naming is Anatoth. Now, our first preliminary news search, it kind of played a few games with us, but it was rather ironic later in the night, all of a sudden I'm getting multiple hits after I had looked a lot deeper into this area. And it's all kinds of things going on that are just literally unbelievable. But we had latent breaking news on top of it here that happened just within the last couple of days as uh, more financial advisors trying to... Uh, solidify this uh, peace agreement. We're going on at the exact same time that a new set of settlements was put into place. And this Anatah, it so happens to be, it's also one of the uh, problematic areas that's been causing a lot of contention with the UN and all these other varied international groups and the Western nations, the Arabian nations, well, I'd have to say the entire world, really, at this point. It's causing great contention. Um, then we found some more very uh, disturbing elements. And actually, one of these things we had discovered earlier in the week, but we decided to keep our mouth shut about it until we could confirm it from a uh, a source outside of just Arabian news sources. And... Basically, what had happened here, oh my gosh, folks, this is going to cause a cup of trembling like you would not believe, and as I said, um, I found confirmation in the strangest of places that all of these things actually indeed have happened and were happening, and even another one, I think we've got enough... um, circumstantial evidence to point to the fact that these uh, reports that are coming out of one side of, um, you know, out of two witnesses, I would have to say, definitely indeed have enough video backing to support what they were saying. So when you consider these things, and when you closely look over what's going on here in Jeremiah 32, it really begins to stand out. Well, that's what I've got to say. And uh, Matthew, if I'm cutting out, I need to know here because my wireless connection and everything else is being real weird. No, you're fine so far. Yeah, you're you're fine so far. But, ladies and gentlemen, kind of this diatribe that Brian just gave was really kind of an understatement about this chapter. Now, there's something I need to predicate this with, that there is word 
in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 9, that we just covered yesterday, but I didn't talk about this because I'd sent it to Brian in a private message. All of you know, you've heard me and Bryce say many times that all Hebrew words is at maximum four letters long. When you stumble across a word that is seven letters long, and not only that, there's multiple seven-letter words in this one phrase. You have to understand that that beyond any shadow of a doubt in Hebrews is a compound word, and they're not going to tell you what it is. Now, you will take note that there is what you know to be 8173, or Shia. That's not what God said even remotely. This word is hishta'ashu. When Brian looked at it in the Hebrew, he's like, well, that is a shin ayin ayin. That, that's not nowhere near this word. Of course it's not. Of course it's not, I said. I said, God does this also in Isaiah chapter 24, and I could just keep naming them to the end of days. God will take a root, and he will build upon it as the letters progress. More letters that he adds, the more that the message is given. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand that Shintov is six. Tov Shin Ain is nine. And what ends this word is H8159. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that means a moment in time. It is that moment properly. It's when you look at something and you realize what it is in that moment. In English, that's how we would put this word as that phrase, in that moment, that you look at something, and for a minute you're you know trying to figure out what it is, and then it dawns on you what it is. That's what this word means. So literally what God says with this one word here is when the sealed scroll is being opened, it will be… The 69th week. Now, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> no one understand this, that Jeremiah chapter 32 is quite simply off the charts. Alphanumerically speaking, you have to understand, I'll say it one more time, Arabic numerals were never in Hebrew or Greek. In both languages, if you wanted to give a number, you would either write it out or spell it out. <clears throat> this year on the Hebrew calendar is the Hebrew year 5,778. Now, in the Hebrew, there's two different counts, just like there is in Ezekiel. There is a measure… And then there's the royal measure. There's a royal measure, ladies and gentlemen, because five of the Hebrew letters has a final form. 
just like the final sigma in Greek, and it gives it a greater value. So in the royal count this year, 5778, is in verse 34, and it's in the standard count in verse 8. That's not good enough though, is it? Let's look at our calendar. Let's look at today. Because that year in the Hebrew calendar, of course, is about three months in 2017 and about you know nine months in 2018. So you take a look at this chapter, and yes, the royal count, the royal measure for 2017 is in verse 43. The royal count for 2018 is in verse 3. And the standard count for 2018 is in verse 9, 17, 20, and 32. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no odds of that. And we've all been thinking about the great division of the land has been about one thing. But what if it's about a different type of division that none of us were thinking to look for? Now, I want to point this out really quick, ladies and gentlemen. You should have heard the four writers as that was being read. Ladies and gentlemen, take a very close look at Jeremiah 32, verses 24 and 36. Ladies and gentlemen. Listen to what the Lord your God says. Behold the mounts, they are coming to the city to take it, and the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans that fight against it because of sword and of famine and of pestilence, and what thou hast spoken is come to pass, and behold, thou seest it. Verse 36, now therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city, whereof ye say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, by sword, and by famine, and by pestilence. Did you catch that? In one instance, he said the Chaldeans, and here he says Babylon. In both cases, he's wanting you to see the four writers because, ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what this list accomplishes. By sword, famine, and pestilence. The simple fact that this has got everything to do about the children, ladies and gentlemen, I challenge you, why is it here? And they built the high places of Baal, which in the valley of the son of Hanan, to cause their sons and daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not, neither came it to my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Ladies and gentlemen, this chapter, it gives you highly detailed information 
that's going to take you right up to the tribulation trigger. We've all thought in our minds, well, of course it's going to be somebody else that divides the land, right? No. Brian and I have spoken against this from the beginning. Oh, it's not the Assyrian who's going to divide the land. No, 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 no. He does not enter the beautiful land to divide it. That's not what he's coming after. He is what stops them, ladies and gentlemen. He's what stops them. Let's let's talk about this rationally, shall we? I know I'm rambling on. I know you're we need to get to what all the information Brian has, but please just take a deep breath for a minute, okay? <clears throat> let's talk about the fallen. Just for a minute. First bit of information we get in the Bible is that they fall like ripe figs when the tree is shaken by a strong wind. What did God really tell us? He told us that they're taken by surprise. Not Satan. The one-third that fall in unison with him. You need to consider that. Satan knows, but the fallen do not. Now, we go to the next bit of information. Don't you realize that God's word tells us that it is Satan's tail that sweeps them out of the heavens? Here's our second piece of information. They don't fall voluntarily, ladies and gentlemen. So when they get down here, this one-third of the host of heaven, you have to reckon this in your mind. Number one, they was taken by complete surprise. And number two, they didn't voluntarily do this. And number three, the final. The final piece of information, we of course obtain the book of Daniel. That the false prophet, the Assyrian... He's given charge over them. Don't you realize that? They obviously come down here, and the first thing they would want to do would be rebel against Satan. Of course, all of these angels are extremely beside themselves. They've been taken by surprise. They've been cast down. Now Michael won't let them ascend. Don't you realize that this is going to produce total, absolute chaos? The Lord your God, however, has a catch-22 for them. He sets over them the Assyrian false prophet. Let me guess, I'm going to get a bunch of correspondence tonight and tomorrow saying that that's the first time you've ever heard that. No, ladies and gentlemen, it's not. You've read these scriptures many times. You just didn't reason in your mind what God was saying to you. You need to be reasonable with what God says. Many times he says things that is above our pay grade, especially me and Brian's. 
There's times we're looking over at a singular verse, and we'll go back and forth for several weeks about it. We have no idea what God means. We, we have no idea what he meant. We know what he said. We have no idea what he meant. Well, what on earth is he talking about? So in this instance, no different. Brian's got massive amounts of information to give it to us tonight. That is happening right now. It's real, but you can't see it. Now, I understand that Brian found a whole lot, especially his personal videos, where the perpetrators literally recorded themselves doing gross acts of war. But it's not who you think it is. Brian, I have rambled on and on and on, but I think it was necessary for me to say all that. So you've got, uh, you know, it looks like you've got about 20 minutes before the break. And don't worry, I, I might interject when it's uh, really close to the top of the hour. And, and I'll just I'll just break in and, and, and we'll do our break to give you a break. But I'm sorry I rambled on, ladies and gentlemen. I know you're dying to get to this relevant information that Brian's got. So, But I think it's important that that you realize what we talked about last night is just a part of what we're going to talk about tonight. When you reason in your mind the data that he's given you about the one-third that falls, it makes sense. It's reasonable. Everything the Bible says is reasonable. It to confuse you. He loves you. Ladies and gentlemen, if he wanted you to be rebellious and just throw you into hell, he would. He don't need to ask your permission. That's why he wrote the Bible to let us know what his intentions are, and what the consequences are for violating those intentions. Brian, please, before I ramble on another two hours, sorry about that. Um, jump right in here, man. No more interruptions, uh, I promise. Uh, Alrighty. Well, I guess this is where we go in and... Uh talk about the uh, first item you uh, had me look for, this Anatoth, where they are to take the deed, seal it up, the book, the deed, put it in a clay vessel. There's all kinds of interesting things going on there, folks. And as I looked over the Hebrew today, there's a whole heck of a lot more being said than is being brought in with the English. But this place, Anatoth, known in the Bible as Anatot, town in the Jerusalem government in the central West Bank, located four kilometers northeast of Jerusalem's old city. And why does this come up in the news? We had here on story out of January 24th to 2017 that's speaking of... Uh, Israel approves 2,500 new settlement homes in the West Bank. Now, at first glance, you're going, well, where in the heck is this in this uh, article from the L.A. Times? But then, lo and behold, you see in the picture. 
states the Israeli settlement of Piscot Zeev in East Jerusalem Center and the West Bank village of Anatah, top right on September 27th of 2016. And as you go through, you get some odds and ends going on here about the new uh, settlement, which they just started building here. I believe it was on the 21st. Let me get this out of reader mode for one minute so I can double check. Yes, this report came forward on June 21st, which was only in the last couple of days here. Let me check what day it is. It's the 23rd, so two days. And we had that, uh, I believe this is the same settlements that were probably approved earlier. Construction began on Tuesday for the first new illegal Israeli settlement to be built in the occupied West Bank in 25 years, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu announced. Work has begun, as I promised, on a new community for Amona evacuees. After decades, I have the privilege to be the first prime minister to build new communities in Judea and Samaria, he said. Using an Israeli term for the occupied West Bank, there has never been nor will there be a better government for the settlement movement than our government. Nonetheless, as I pointed out, everybody... uh, this so happens to coincide with, uh, I believe it's what, Jared Kushner off the top of my head. And then there was another financial person meeting in there. Now, it gets interesting the further you go into this because for one, okay, I'll start with this paragraph here. Almost a month ago, the Israeli army announced the jurisdiction of the illegal Amakai settlement. After its plan was advanced by Netanyahu, as compensation for residents of the illegal settlement outpost of Amona demolished in February due to it being built on private Palestinian lands, while an estimated 196 government-recognized Israeli settlements scattered across the Palestinian territory are all considered illegal under international law. Such outposts are considered illegal even under Israeli domestic law. However, earlier this year, Israel passed the outpost regularization law, which would pave the way for the retroactive legalization of dozens of Israeli settler outposts. Now, this was uh, another interesting little detail that came up in the midst of this. Meanwhile, plans for Shavat Rachel East another illegal Israeli settlement to be established between the existing Shavat Rachel settlement, settlement and what is to be Amaki or Amakai were advanced in February, also under the pretext of compensating residents of the Amona outpost, despite Amona's evacuee refusing the relocation plan. Nonetheless, that goes into these details explaining all this. And... You know, as I began to go through and look more and more and more, they're just, it was on a continual basis these things kept turning up. Um, you have some older uh, older stories between some situations that broke out between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And people were killed in the midst of this. You know, and this is where you kind of have to stop almost check yourself on these matters because we've got civilians that are being caught in the crossfire of this. So, you know, this is kind of a twofold equation. And it's a bit of a complex twofold equation that we're probably going to have to address a little bit later 
here to sort of look at this from both sides because there are two sides that are very important and people understand why when we get to the last part of this. Once again, like I said, breaks ground on these new settlements. Israel strength, uh, seeks to strengthen settlements upon the 50th anniversary of the Six-Day War, which was posted on June 7 of 2017. And once again, it goes through and explains that. And again, Israeli panel approves West Bank settlement plan. And UN reports substantial increase in Israeli settlements. The United Nations United States from AFP, that's a source. Israel has announced a substantial increase in settlements in the past three months, despite a United Nations resolution demanding a halt to the Jewish outpost in occupied Palestinian territory. The UN envoy for the Middle East said Tuesday. Now, I don't need to go on to too many more details there, but nonetheless, this has got the UN and the rest of the world fired up something fierce. Okay, that's actually real important on a different level, but we're going to be covering that tomorrow night. Yeah, keep an eye on this new uh, Saudi uh, prince that has just been appointed a king, folks. Let's see. Israel approves completely new West Bank settlement, the first since the Oslo Accords. This was published on the 29th of May, 2017, leading here into June. Let's see here. Uh, Israeli settler law angers world powers. But the United States is silent. Now, everybody, if you have noticed, ever since the uh, new administration came into place, the new commander-in-chief, they have sat back and been completely silent about any of these settlements. I think there was a little bit of different odds and ends that came out, but at the same time, they really didn't say, well, you know, you guys should stop. They kind of allude to it, and then they go back. Nonetheless, they're being a little bit silent. And when you begin to look at what's going on as a whole, from when this commander-in-chief went out and solidified these deals with all of the uh, what they refer to as Gulf nations, well, these are all the uh, Sunni-aligned nations that are really tied into the House of Saad. And, you know, folks, I think this is really relevant that I point this out now. Once again, I've pointed out that this House of Saad is aligned with this Wahhabian, Wahhabi doctrine within Islam. And this is a radical form of an Islamic doctrine that is it's fairly off base from the rest of the Islamic, uh, what would you call that, beliefs and so forth. It's quite a bit different than what is going on with people that follow after the standard uh, Quran, and I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but this came around at about 1800. And now you have to understand that there was some serious wheeling and dealing done in the background by a name, man with the name, uh, last name of Philby after the Balfour Declaration was put into place. Now, I think this is kind of crucial that people understand this real quickly. When the Balfour Declaration was penned, the British did this in sort of a sneaky way. They put a Jewish state instead of the. And when they did this, 
they gave it wiggle room so they didn't really have to live up to what they were giving the impression that they were saying. So we have, as I stated, this is a very complex situation. And we've spoken already about the fact that Britain and the United States were working behind the scenes in absolute betrayal of Israel, especially during the Holocaust and everything that was going on in World War II. Okay, folks, they were working with Nazi Germany, but it started far before that. And if you start going back into the early 1900s and so forth and just even start looking through government documents, you're going to find out that even between both um, the British nations, the UK, and the United States, there was nothing but nonstop anti-Semitism going on. Now, how does this tie into this house of Psy? Well, we had this uh, guy by the last name of Philby who was working as almost like a double, triple, quadruple agent. It was literally ridiculous. And when he found out what had happened here with the Balfour Declaration, he was ticked off. He was, you know, standing in this spot because he was mad about the fact that they had... Um, solidified the Sykes-Picot Agreement, which is where Britain and France underhandedly broke up the Ottoman Empire. They wrote a little secret um, deal together in the background and then basically just started handing out all the Arabian nations. You know, they're hiding nations behind their back and they're saying, hey, give that back. They're going, no, we don't want to give it back. This is what they did. And they did this on top of it so they could have control of the resources and big time a major factor was have control of all that oil. Now, what this Philby did is obviously he was ticked off about what they had done to the Arabian nations, but he went in and maneuvered behind the scenes to, as opposed to who the uh, leaders were of the Arabian nations at that point in time, he maneuvered behind the scenes to bring in um, Ibn Saad, the leader that now you know, the current same group within the Saudi Arabian uh, kingships into power, you know, bringing with that this radical form, this very, um, you know, just look into what the Wahhabism is. You'll understand it if you look into it a bit deeper. So he, you know, maneuvered behind the scenes doing all this stuff. And he was playing kind of a quadruple game here, playing games with the British people, he was going behind the back, convincing the Jewish people that he was working for their benefit. He's going behind the back. You know, he's working with the Saudi Empire. He's living there with the king. He became a Muslim. He's going over to Russia, playing around, doing stuff over there. At the same time, on top of it, too, he's also working as an agent for Nazi Germany. Now, when this rolled forward into this mix, on top of it, during these time frames in World War II and so forth, well, Mr. Alan Dulles, I, well, it's one of the Dulles brothers, anyways, who ended up becoming the uh, founding main member of CIA. Well, he was working with him behind the scenes as well. And their entire thing that they were doing was trying to cancel out this Balfour Declaration and not allow Israel to even come in there whatsoever. And this stuff had been going on behind the scenes this entire time. It happened during World War II. They knew through their intelligence reports what was happening to the Jews during the Holocaust, and they intentionally did nothing about it. Now, they released some pictures here just the other day um, from this uh, 
leader that was over the top of Palestine who Hitler came in and grabbed up. Now, I find it, found it rather peculiar because uh, they stated that these pictures has just been released, um, you know, with him over there with Hitler and everything else. But, folks, I have a book in my possession where all those pictures are in there. And he was meeting with a lot of other leaders as well in different parts of the world. And it just, this whole thing begins to get more disturbing by the minute the deeper you look into it. And my take on this, the more I look at the evidence, the more I look at everything that has been happening on the world stage as we speak, I personally don't see that many of, uh, well, the alignment between Britain and the United States is back in motion. And I personally and I can pretty much back this up with a lot of historical documentation. I don't think this nation has Israel's best interest at heart, and that's going to be very important in the days to come here. Now, one last thing before I hand this over to Matthew as well. Um, there is a PDF that you can find. I'm trying to figure out which website that one was on. Um, there's a couple of different ones. You can actually find this um, as one of the references in the Wikipedia for Anata. But this PDF is rather interesting because you go in and look at it. It's the Anata Tom profile. Now, you'll stroll through here. Let me see. Let me get to that map. <laughs> now, you get down to, uh, it looks like it's page five in this PDF that you can easily find. Like I said, it's a cross-reference that's in the uh, Wikipedia article for this Anata. When you pull up this uh, map here of this location of this Anata in the West Bank, you're going to notice up in the, uh, it's pretty far north uh, over to the west corner that that place that we spoke of in that program about the 1917 COG and Mikmash. Well, Mikmash is right, like I stated, it's pretty much to a degree directly north from Anata. All considering everything we looked at with that program, and then Matthew has me going out and starting to look at this place, and this is one of the first things I find and see this map, I just went good grief. So I guess with that little bit of some of those things said, I'm going to hand this back over to Matthew. And just off the charts, everything that you shared there, ladies and gentlemen, you talk about one place if you knew to look for it, led you down a rabbit hole you did not want to go down. You know, earlier, ladies and gentlemen, I mentioned the United Arab Republic. Ladies and gentlemen, there has been entire books written on the simple fact of what happened with the CIA and the coup d'etat that happened in Syria in 1961 as they broke away from the United Arab Republic. You know, I've got sources here, you know, book published in 2006, Safe for Democracy, you know, during that coup d'etat. The United States paid out some $3 million in bribes via, via 
the CIA. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to get really bad really quick, especially if the Temple Mount Institute has their intentions fulfilled. With that being said, let us remind everybody that this lies in the hands of the Lord our God and He alone. Because He and He alone reign supreme.
Christ is loudly proclaimed. Because he reigns. He reigns, baby. He reigns.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're enjoying the broadcast tonight. I certainly am. <clears throat> Font of information going on here. The ramifications of our own politicians getting into the mix. As Brian and I have warned you about the Crusader class for quite a long time. You know, ladies and gentlemen, Huckabee went up to, you know what, let me just read this. This is off the charts. This is from August 19th, 2009. Har of Mount Blessing is a windswept hilltop settlement of Jews overlooking the Palestinian Palestinian city of Nablus. According to biblical tradition, it's where Joshua and the children of Israel first entered the Holy Land. And on August 18th, Mike Huckabee, a Baptist preacher, two-time governor of Arkansas, and once and perhaps future Republican presidential candidate, received a heartfelt blessing from local Orthodox Jewish minister, Rabbi Eliezer Melmed prayed that Huckabee would become president so that he could emulate the ancient Persian king Cyrus the Great to encourage the Jews to rebuild Solomon's temple in Jerusalem, said the rabbi. We hope that under Mike Huckabee's presidency, he will be like Cyrus and push us to rebuild the temple and bring the final redemption. Ladies and gentlemen, absolutely off the charts. It's amazing to me how very early on plans are laid and the American people are completely clueless. Everybody would like to think that organizations like the Temple Mount Institute have clean hands. You sure about that, ladies and gentlemen? Are you sure about that? Wonder if they're running around sacrificing goats where they shouldn't be. And more importantly, I wonder why they're not sacrificing sheep. Why are they sacrificing goats? With that said, let's get Brian back in the saddle. Uh, your thoughts on that little diatribe I gave there? Yeah. Where do we start with that? Um, I did want to quick take a side note before we jump into that, though. Um there's another thing I stated there, folks, in Jeremiah 32 that I need to point out fast. Um, for one, it speaks about the siege engines. And if you look at the map, you've got, well, you have all kinds of walls being built all over the place throughout the West Bank. Um, so and nonetheless, you can see why that wording of siege engines and et cetera is used. But you've also got something else interesting about the homes being burned. Um 
me pop back over here to I unfortunately put this in two different notebooks in my program here on accident, but we had uh spots in the West Bank uh started in a couple of different uh places here, but we had these happening last year. If everybody remembers what they started calling the uh the fire intifada and, uh, you know, I don't know if it ever really was completely sorted out, but nonetheless, there was a lot of good uh, evidence at that point in time about these massive fires that broke out last year. And, you know, you can still pull these stories up, you know, as, as I was going through and looking at varied odds and ends, you know, with uh, the Santa Ta and so forth, these stories did start coming up concerning the Massive uh, fires that broke out there last year. Now, I want to point out quickly, folks, here, too, and some of this stuff that we're going to have to talk about next, you have to understand that we make a difference between the actual people, everyday people on the ground, be that, you know, everyday Jewish people, Israeli people, and the everyday Palestinian people. Now, we have different odds and ends, though, are, that are taking place here with the governing bodies. And there are things that are happening that are not cool. There's no way around that. And there's a great deal of people being hurt on both sides of this equation that are being caught in the crossfire of all these things that are going on. And this, you know... <laughs> It gets very in-depth. There's definitely terror attacks going on. There's definitely areas where things sort of have to be taken care of in the way that they are. But, you know, uh, one thing I found very interesting in this uh, 50 years war uh, set of documentaries, about six different parts of 45 minutes apiece that I watched, one of the first things they pointed out there in 1948 when they were driving out the varied... Uh, Arab nations that had, you know, basically jumped on them at that stage and attacked. Well, they were going through and clearing out some areas where these uh, different Arab fighters were hidden throughout the houses, and well, civilians started getting caught in the crossfire. And you know, since we had a you know, smaller groups of the Israeli people already living there, the religious Jews came forward and they just screamed at the top of the lungs at the Israeli soldiers that were fighting back against them. And they were screaming at them, going, what the heck are you doing? And we kind of have to remember this because this becomes important in what we have to talk about next. Because Matthew just pointed out what's going on there. And he said, what if? Folks, I don't think you're going to like what we're about to reveal has been happening here. But this is where we have to take a sidetrack detour and talk about what they refer to as Christian Zionism. It's basically this full-blown support in light of anything that's going on over there and not holding the governing bodies when they're committing doing things that are not proper it's they blindly support that and 
that sort of bypasses everything you're called to do as a Christian. Okay, folks, there's, besides the regular Arabian Islamic people that are living there, there is also a very high number of the Palestinian or Arabian folks there as well that are Christians. You know, and we're not told to turn a blind eye when corruption is going on. We're not told to do that whatsoever. And that's what's at the root of this, what they refer to as this Christian Zionist movement. And there was a very decent documentary that I uh, saw earlier in the week that it wasn't really anything that I didn't know. But what I liked about it is it made everything crystal clear. And they went through and they explained a whole lot of things that we've tried to impress upon people here to help them understand over these years here. They brought up all the different things that went on with Darby, with dispensationalism, things with the Crusades. They really ironed out things with the Crusades. And a whole lot of other things. And these, the people that came in here and did this video did just an excellent job. With that in mind, and I did a whole set of show notes up on the uh, website on overtattentionshow.com yesterday for that program, and I'll probably be adding more to that at a later point. Nonetheless, I will go over and do the same thing tonight and add in a bunch of different links for people to look at um, concerning this. And I'll throw a couple of documentaries in there so you can see the situation at least in a uh, small glance from both sides of the perspective here because I think both sides matter. You know, I've stated time and time again concerning this two-state solution. Well, first off and foremost, the um, – got some important to point out too. The Christian Zionist movement, they uh, keep saying, well, you know, they can't divide the land even though the Bible says they're going to. And look. Their justification is not lining up with what the Bible says. But I would have to say the most dangerous element of this, even as a couple of different commentators had pointed out that I've listened to here um, in the last few months, these crusaders want to bring about the destruction of the world. They want to initiate the full-blown crusades. And everybody, you need to remember what happened when the uh, crusade stormed into Israel, when they locked everybody inside these places and started burning them to the ground. They slaughtered everybody that got in their path. It did not matter who they were. It did not matter whatsoever. They slaughtered Christians, Jews, Muslims, um, even if you had believers from different places there, which would have been common in those days. It didn't matter who got in their path. They slaughtered them. And it's no different what they're doing again. You might want to take note of another little interesting detail I had come across just within the last month, because I'd never heard anybody that had written things up concerning Christopher Columbus and him coming over here in 1492. We all know the story. There was one little detail there that really stood out, though, because when he was vying to get the funding to go out to find this new route well, you got to understand what the route actually was being set in motion for during the time of those uh, moving back around to those crusades. It's pretty much common knowledge. Everybody knows those flags were flying the same red cross that the crusaders were using. But what he was initially sent out to do was actually to find a way 
to circumnavigate so that they could come over on the western shores through the sea to come into Israel that way. I think that becomes very important in light of the fact that Columbus going out to make that trip and he actually ended up over in the New World. Having that kind of context in mind, it really sort of changes things. They were finding a new invasion route, and that becomes rather disturbing when you really grasp the concept here of what we've spoken about concerning Harlot Babylon or Babylon the Harlot. Now, actually, you know what? Let me have you give some commentary in there first before we move into this. I agree because you're making mention of things that that really deserves a new term. And as of late, I've been researching and found some things concerning what is called a Zeocon. It is Zionist with a neoconservative slant. Very dangerous. Ladies and gentlemen, let me remind everybody what we are. We do not seek nor long for the blood of anyone. Christians seek to heal, not to harm. But ladies and gentlemen... Our government is actively involved with tearing the state of Israel apart. And by state of Israel, I mean the people that actually live there, not the government, not the Mossad, not the IDF, the people that live there, the people. Now… Ladies and gentlemen, the book of Jeremiah chapter 32 painfully tells us of the time when the land would be sold for a price. Note that Brian and I have did an entire broadcast on Ishmael, the son of Netanyahu. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Netanyahu's name is in the Bible five times, and I'm going to tell you why. That's not Benjamin Netanyahu's original name. It's not his original name. His predecessor changed the name to Netanyahu according to the treachery performed by Ishmael, the son of Netanyahu, when he killed Gerdiah and the others. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is real. This is true. This has always been out in broad daylight for you to know that in these 18 verses of Jeremiah chapter 41, the great treacherous 
great treachery that was done upon the person administrating at the time. Let me just read verse 3. Ishmael also slew all the Jews that were with him and the Chaldeans. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is real what we're talking about here. The treachery involved and why on earth you would want to change your family name to Netanyahu is beyond me. But ladies and gentlemen, according to the new covenant, you're not going to be responsible for the actions of Neither the Chaldeans nor Babylon. You will be not responsible for the actions of neither Pharaoh nor the Egyptians. Because we've got it coming, ladies and gentlemen. We, in more ways than one, This country's got to be stopped. I mean, when doctors without borders will not set up camp because the United States always bombs them, we covered not too long ago that we hit a school and hit it hard, obliterated every living thing there. And of course, all we had to do since the Patriot Act, would you say there was terrorists there? I mean, how many countries are we currently have under siege? How many children, I wonder, that we've killed just, just this month? I, mean, I know it's only the 23rd of the month, but I wonder how many children of any nation, tribe, or tongue that we've killed just in the 23 days of this month so far. Now with that in mind, I said that in a way that you would realize that no, I don't use Shakespearean terms. That's where the term rapture comes from. No reason for me to beat around the bush with you. All three of the first instances of the used of the usage of rapture in the English vernacular is Shakespeare, ladies and gentlemen. So I want you to know and understand this. That the children of Israel was not harmed during the twelve plagues that smote Egypt around them. The light shone in Goshen. 
the first 1,290 days is exactly how you're going to be protected before the tribulation trigger is tripped, and then you're going to be relocated. But like it happened before. And I'm sorry that nobody's ever told you that before. But it is the truth. Yes, we will receive our new bodies upon the return of Christ if we be living at the time. He only gets back one time. He gets back at the end of the 1,260 days. Yes, all hell has broken loose on planet Earth during those 42 months. But during those three and a half years, you've been in Goshen. So you have nothing to worry about. That's what's really going to happen. And these things are going to happen because of what you're paying to have done against the people that live in the promised land. Forget about their nation, their tribe, or their tongue. Forget about that. They're actually occupants of God's promised land, and you're doing everything within your power to make sure they are exterminated. Facilitating every single act of lawlessness that could possibly be perpetrated against those people. You're paying for it. I mean, we've got some people that are off the charts. I mean, I already mentioned Huckabee. Ladies and gentlemen, you know who else was the governor of Arkansas, right? That being the case, you know that. That's all common knowledge. There's only one way Huckabee got to be the governor of Arkansas. Don't fool yourself. You know, we also have big-time names. In Christianity, supposed Christian leaders, people that uh, steal most of their work, plagiarize, as in the case of John Hagee, absolutely plagiarizing everything about the blood moons he wrote from Mark Biltz. That's the truth. But… When you see him in public, that person you see holding his hand, that's not his wife. That's his actually secretary. He had an affair with her, so he got kicked out of the Southern Baptist Convention. They kicked him out. Now, the first thing that would make your ears perk up is the simple fact that that be the case, how on earth did he get the money to build Cornerstone? Well… You can, upon many occasions, see him prancing around with a prayer shawl on, 
You can see him in many numerous occasions with him, of course, bearing the Israeli flag. I know that he's a lot of the listeners of this broadcast hero. But he's no hero of mine. You know, this is all going down a place just like this was released in the Huffington Post. With Trump, the religious right returns to its white nationalist roots. You know, let me read one sentence from this article. Some have gone as far as to refer to Trump as God's anointed candidate, and at least one prominent pastor has actually hailed him for ignoring Jesus' teachings. I mean, give me a break, ladies and gentlemen. If you are saved from your sins through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, you actually don't have a nation, a tribe, or a tongue. Your gender is actually bridal. The bride... She don't have no color. She don't have no hair type. She has no stature requirements. Like I said, she don't even have gender. And she has absolutely nothing to do with white nationalists. That's not even on her agenda. Brian? Well, and that's where do we begin with this. Out of uh, varied Arabian news sources this last week, um, I first caught it in uh, the uh, Turkish uh, newspaper Sabah. And then I started catching it in other um, related news sites. And we decided that we weren't going to say anything until we had a second witness. We had a event breakout where, how do we explain this? Well, there was fighting on Alaska Mosque on the Temple Mount at the Dome of the Rock. That's what's there now, folks. Where the people that were there for Ramadan, the Islamic people, which it had been opened up for them this year, were being shot at and beat on and everything else. I believe it was rubber bullets. There was injuries. We did have an attack that was earlier in the week against a uh, female IDF officer or uh, soldier. It might have been a police person. Uh, different groups claim responsibility, of course, as always. ISIS supposedly claimed responsibility. Then Hamas said they were behind it. Then we had other certain Palestinian uh, elements claiming responsibility as well. 
So again, as I said before, there is a twofold element here, folks. We can't completely ignore one and we can't completely ignore the other. But nonetheless, we had this breakout and they're literally, you saw them pushing in towards those doors of Alaska Mosque and things got quite violent. And already I had been, of course, highly concerned, thinking if this is true, this is going to light the entire Arab world on fire against Israel. And we kept our mouths closed about it. We weren't even going to do anything about it until we found a second witness. And if you go over to the Temple Institute YouTube channel, you will find up there a video that was published on June 18th, 2017. That is called Muslim Temple Mount Violence, Ramadan 2017. And it indeed did happen, folks. But I wish I could say that's where it ended because when we began to look into this, I also started finding other frightening things. And once again, I kind of wanted to ignore them because they were coming out of a... Uh, well, this is place is called Applied Research Institute. And... Uh, Jerusalem, A-R-I-J, and you obviously they're pulling from a lot of uh, Palestinian and Arabic sources, and not that I'm pointing to the fact that they're lying about anything, folks. It's like I said, we have to have a second witness um, before we even decide that we're going to go anywhere with this. Now, we had uh, reports that began to come out on May 1st of 2017. And what they state from their report is this, that Israeli settlers stormed the plaza of Alaska Mosque in occupied Jerusalem. 55 Israeli settlers escort, escorted by police troops stormed into the Alaska place of worship as part of the morning break-in shift, lasting from 7 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. AM. Twelve settlers further broke into the site during the afternoon shift and performed sacrilegious Rituals over recent days, the so-called Temple Mount, and I'm reading verbatim from these guys, folks. You need to keep that in mind. Temple Mount organizations, over recent days, the so-called Temple Mount organizations launched calls via social media networks for mass break-ins at Alaska Mosque to mark Israel's establishment on the land of Palestine. This came out on the 1st of May of 2017. Now, you have more reports that come in on this. Um, Israeli policemen took hats off to Israeli settlers who defiled Holy Alaska Mosque in occupied Jerusalem. Israeli police boosted settler break-ins at Alaska Mosque. Two Israeli officers formed a military salute near the Dome of the Rock at Alaska in the presence of Israeli settlers. The Israeli settlers performed a round of sacrilegious rituals stirring up further tensions at the site. Now, the only reason I had even stumbled onto this is because this Anatot does come up in the same uh, set of phrases. So, you know, obviously running the search engine, it brought this up. And I began to look through this and I went, what in the world is going on? And it's as I pointed out, we weren't going to even pursue this unless we could find something that substantiated their claims. 
But the problem was the social networks, they were calling for people to storm it. There's videos that were coming out from their own sources showing them do everything that they stated was said here. Now, as far as what they meant by sacrilegious rituals, I don't know. Because, I mean, as far as they're concerned, even praying um, to them, as far as their belief system, is sacrilegious as well. My mind went somewhere else because immediately I'm hearing that, knowing what's there in Jeremiah 32, I'm looking for a whole different thing. And that would have been some sort of sacrifice taking place. Now, we had on April 9th, of 2017, this was out of Haaretz, and first far-right Jews sacrificed lamb near Temple Mount. Out of Haaretz again on April 9th of 2017, seven far-right Jews arrested on suspicion of planning Passover sacrifice on Temple Mount. Don't have the date off the top of my uh, hands here. Pulling that up, just give me one moment. This was released on April 2nd of 2017. Activist barred from sacrificing sheep near Temple Mount. Let's move forward. Israel arrests 17 far-right Jews allegedly attempting to sacrifice goats on Temple Mount for Passover. April 12th of 2017. Police arrest activists planting Temple Mount sacrifice. This is out of the uh, Newsweek. This is posted on April 13th, 2017. Why do Jewish activists keep trying to sacrifice ghosts, goats in Jerusalem's old city? And as they said, there were calls for this to ascend the Temple Mount on Jerusalem Day. Deputy FM calls on Jews to ascend Temple Mount on Jerusalem Day. Let's see here. Okay, I'm not certain what that one is. This came from the uh, templeinstitute.org. From their own website, this is posted on June 16 of 2017. We can surely go up and take possession of it. We had this out of uh, Israel National News. Let me get a time frame on that one, too, because sometimes these don't clip with the dates, folks. Sorry about that. This was released on May 25th of 2017. Jordan. This is obviously King Abdullah II of Jordan. Settlers defile Alaska. Israel responsible. Kingdom condemns Jerusalem at day events. Defines them desecration of Places, sanctity, harming feelings of Muslims throughout the world. All right, what else did we have in here? Temple Mount custodian willing to open Muslim holy sites to Israel. To Israelis. This was on May 28th of 2017. This was announced. Report, Turkey is stirring up tensions on Temple Mount. Once again, we already covered that one. Oh, boy. And that's where we get into this guy. 
But I'm going to point something out here, folks. Now, we covered this when it happened. Um, I pulled up several stories on this, as a matter of fact. This was posted May 8th of 2017. Now, recall the first report that was given in there. One was May 1st, I believe, and one was May 7th. Let me double check here. No, really. Um, Okay, we had a few of those happening on May 1st. May 2nd, so on and so forth. In response to this, because we were a little baffled by this when it was reported, Turkey's Erdogan calls on Muslims of the world to flock El Aska. Turkish president condemned the Israeli crimes against Palestinians. Now, all of a sudden, we're seeing something far different is going on here. But the problem is, folks, and that's why I'm going to let Matthew come in first. When you understand the instigating factors behind this, those of you here in uh, the U.S. of A., you're probably going to want to pay attention when I come back in. I want Matthew to give his commentary on what I just read because... And point out in there too, Matthew, what it says in Jeremiah concerning things like this happening. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's just, I just need to roll with this. Let me direct your eyes to Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 34 and 35. But they set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name to defile it. Ladies and gentlemen, you all need to understand that sacrifices are not done for a reason. All the Jews on the face of this planet know that. You cannot perform sacrifices until this temple mount has been sanctified. Verse 35, they built the high places of Baal, which is the valley of the son of Himam, to cause the sons and their daughters to pass through the fire into Molech, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. I hope you realize that that's not the only place these verses are. Because, ladies and gentlemen, these two verses are also in Jeremiah chapter 7. Did you know that? Let me read these from Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 30 and 31. For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, saith the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to pollute it. And they have built the high places of Tophat, which is in the valley of the son of Hammam, 
to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. Y'all need to know that there's a whole lot more information given there. No, I take that back. Not more information, but there is different information contained there that leads you to places, once again, that you don't want to go. Once you get down to the real meat and potatoes of it. Now, once again, I had to mention another place name. Geographical coordinates to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I strongly suggest you investigate. But it's not going to be too easy for you to find Ladies and gentlemen, the Temple Institutes of varying different ones, I guess, have gone up to the Temple Mount and performed sacrifices that was illegal by the law of the Lord, their God. And that's a fact. I mean, Brian already told you that I simply refuse to do anything we simply refuse to do anything here on the End Time Tribune without two witnesses. If it's coming from just Palestinian sources, it's thrown in the garbage. If it's coming from only American sources, it goes into the garbage. And we don't care how many so-called Christian sources that masquerade to be Israeli sources there are. They all go in the garbage. All of those go into the garbage. All of them. I mean, strongly suggest you go to the video Brian pointed out, and the Temple Institute incriminates themselves. You can watch it. They know that, ladies and gentlemen. They know that performing sacrifices outside of what God dictates… It's going to do nothing but infuriate him. They know that. They know it. They do it anyway. Brian, we're down to nine minutes. I think I stated enough, I do believe. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've got to bring this up. I, I can't. I'm just <clears throat> the Bible, God's holy word is just consuming me right now. But I need to talk about real stuff. Look, we've all been told and told and told and told that Trump is pro Israel. He's going to move the embassy to Jerusalem. Let's really think about this. He is a land developer. He's a real estate mogul. 
Ladies and gentlemen, watch for this to happen. These new settlements, once they're built, of course, Jeremiah chapter 32 will come into play because then what do you do once you establish the domicile, once you've divided it up into plots? What do you do? You go to Jerusalem and make up the deeds and sell the property. Here's the riddle to your peace plan. Just put the land up for sale to the highest bidder. Don't you know that's what the present POTUS has been groomed for since the beginning? Brian? Well, and I'm going to point something out real quickly here. And folks, just get, you need to read the whole chapter for the context. Nonetheless, I want to um, make note of what it says here in Hosea 6, verse 6. For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. To the next verse here, quick too. But like Adam, they have transgressed the covenant. There they have dealt treacherously against me. Gilead is a city of wrongdoers, tracked with bloody footprints. And as raiders wait for a man, so a band of priests murder on the way to Shechem. Surely they have committed crime. In the house of Israel, I have seen a horrible thing. Ephraim's harlotry is there. Israel has defiled itself. Also, oh, Judah, there is harvest appointed for you when I restore the fortunes of my people. That said, we need to find out the root of who's behind this and why they're doing these things. And the root of who's behind this is about to get ugly, folks. January 7th of, night of 2017, an article was released in uh, J-Post. The most dangerous man in the Middle East. Yehuda Glick has a reputation as a radical, red-headed rabble-rouser, but since entering the Knesset, he has confounded his critics with an often progressive agenda. Now, I'll put this into the uh, post I do up as well on this on my uh, show so everybody can go in and read through the rest of this. Now, they are referring to these people as far-right, um, radical, religious uh Jewish people, and that one video I bring in that for folks of you that have Amazon who can go over and watch it, and I'm sure there's other places where you can, that talks about this Christian Zionism, you really need to pay attention to what these these right-wing Jewish people are doing because they're walking through the streets uh, screaming, death to Arabs, death to Arabs, death to Arabs. That sort of made my stomach sink, especially in light of what it says there in Hosea 6, verse 6. 
No, I had to double and triple and quadruple check to see if all of this these sources were indeed true. Mike Huckabee and Israel's apocalyptic temple movement set the stage for a summer of holy war. It was a provocative West Bank march led by Christian Zionist Honcho Mike Huckabee, a sign of trouble to come. Hours before the sun rose, Monday, the former governor of Arkansas, presidential candidate and proud father of President Donald Trump's press secretary, Mike Huckabee, set out on a politically provocative journey joined by 5,000 Messianic Israeli settlers. Huckabee led an incursion under the armed guard of the Israeli army into the occupied West Bank city of Nablus to perform a religious ritual at Joseph's tomb. By Huckabee's side was Bazel Smotrich, a fanatically right-wing member of parliament who recently unveiled his proposal to slaughter Palestinians who refused to accept inferior status under Israeli apartheid rule. I hope the days come when the freedom of God's people to come and to pray is uninhibited and unhindered by any violence. How could be intoned inside the tomb? That you could do it in the daylight, in the sunshine, and not in the darkness of night. Everybody remember what we said yesterday. And yes, folks, I found another video of them going into the Al-Asta Mosque, and all of a sudden they turned the cameras off the moment they got in there. So yes, indeed, these things did happen. What they did inside, I think only they know. But we, looking at the evidence of what we saw already, oh boy. Days later, Huckabee met with a member of parliament named Yehuda Glick, the man whom Israel police labeled the most dangerous man in the Middle East following a long period of bloodshed sparked by his provocations. Glick is the public face of the temple movement, an apocalyptic outfit masquerading as a campaign for Jewish prayer rights. The movement aims to wrestle control of the Alaska compound from its Muslim stewards by bulldozing the Islamic holy site and building a Jewish temple in its place. Next, it plans to install a rigid theocracy over all the residents of the Holy Land that wages genocide wars of conquest across the Middle East and beyond, carrying out ISIS-style beheadings against anyone who dares to resist. This goes far deeper, folks. It's another uh, article written here by this same uh, person that wrote the last article. What is the Temple Mount movement? Jewish and Christian Zionist movement call for the destruction of Muslim holy sites and the building of the third Jewish temple. <sighs> like I brought up before, this is this uh, Yehuda Glick and Jay Post confirmed what they call him. We already talked about all that. Temple Mount Faithful sacrifices lamb in pre- Passover ritual. We had more to this, though. I mean, look.
Huffington Post, as Matthew brought up with Trump, the religious right returns to its white nationalist roots. People might want to read this article. Timesofisrael.com, Haggy, pro-Israel evangelicals will storm U.S. voting booths. Praising but not quite endorsing Trump, leader of three million strong Christian powerhouse group CUFI says when it tells candidates to beef up support for Israel, they listen. Everybody we spoke of before is named in here. Huckabee, all the way across the board, folks. And you'll find out that many of these people mentioned in this article are part of this Christian Zionist movement. I think I said enough there. Um, Now I'll hand this back over to you, Matthew, for the last bit here while we're in overdrive. I don't know, Brian. I think enough has been said myself. I think that everybody needs to take a serious look at this chapter. And by all means, look to... If you can find out where it is that the uh, headquarters for some of these places are, because it's imperative that you understand what a tofet is. Ladies and gentlemen, a tofet was generally located outside of the city proper, and usually to the north. This is where the child sacrifices would take place. So do not look for Tophet as a place name, as a city name. It's not. This Tophet was outside of a city. Any city, there was many of them. You need to find out where some of these headquarters are for some of these groups. And I'm afraid you're going to find them right where Tophets were. You'll take notice, yes, I said what I meant to say. They were usually to the north of the city. doesn't matter where they were at. They would usually put them on the north side of the city. That's where they would sacrifice the children, ladies and gentlemen. Everything that's going on, in the news concerning everything that's going on in Jeremiah chapter 32 is live local and late breaking. It's just that it's happening in a way you didn't expect it to happen. Certainly not Brian and I. I wish I had more time to divulge all of the information contained in Jeremiah chapter 32 and Isaiah chapter 29, but we don't. We just don't have that much time. They contain so much information. You know... Ladies and gentlemen, take a read of these two chapters yourself and know in your heart 
that they are directly tied with the sealed scroll of Revelation chapter 5. This information is important for you to know and understand. With that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us to search the End Time Tribune. That's pretty easy to find. Brian, of course, is over at OvertAttentionShow.com. I suggest you go check out his show notes, which accompanies the broadcast that uh, we did yesterday, and I'm sure he's going to do one that we'll cover today. Brian, your final thoughts. Well, I just thought it was relevant here. You know, I suppose a lot of people I know I've dealt with some backlash because of the fact that I've pointed out that we've got, for instance, nationalists and white supremacists, and I've referred to them as neo-Nazis. You know, folks, I would take this Huffington Post uh, article, and I would take it to heart, because we have a historical precedence going from 1897 to 1917, into World War II of both Britain and the United States supporting Nazi agendas. We just had the commander-in-chief go arm all of Israel's enemies to the teeth. When they're done with Iran, there's a reason for what is in there in Jeremiah 32, where you get a direct reference to that fourth rider. These things that they're doing up here on Alaska Mosque, trying to provoke the Arabian people, what's happening with these settlements all the way across the board, folks. This is coming at us so fast. This is utterly ridiculous. And don't even for a moment think that this administration here in the United States has Israel's interest at heart because they've already set betrayal in motion. And we have historical precedents, and we know and for a fact beyond any shadow of a doubt that the Lord told us that history repeats itself. So please bear these things in mind. Folks, keep your eyes wide open and keep a very close eye on all these developments that keep breaking out all over the world. Just a quick note of something I wanted to point out, hopefully, before we get cut off. My wife and our uh, guest were in tears because today here in America, there was people that were protesting against them cutting off Medicaid. They were handicapped. They were in wheelchairs. These were handicapped people. And this pile of garbage, Republican senator, had them rounded up and arrested. Were knocking them out of their wheelchairs. Were using the infamous plastic twist ties. And they were taking these people away in a way that was unbelievable. Those ten kings are going to burn this nation. And right now as we speak, everything that's happening in the world, you don't get rid of the problem unless you take care of the root. And just alone, that very thing that happened is unacceptable. With that said, thanks for joining us, everyone. God bless. I do hope you enjoyed the broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. This uh, didomus a broadcast we've done over the past two days. You can catch tomorrow for breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. Tomorrow, 
same place, same time. Till then, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed. <laughs>